What's up, everybody? This is Cortland from IndieHackers.com, and you're listening to the Indie Hackers podcast. More people than ever are building cool stuff online and making a lot of money in the process. And on this show, I sit down with these indie hackers to discuss the ideas, the opportunities, and the strategies they're taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. This is part two of my conversation with Peter Levels. If you missed the first part, that's cool. Just go back to last week's episode where we talked about Peter's company's remote OK and rebase. Let's talk about money. Tyler Tring has asked this. He's like a good example of someone who's moved to Mexico. Yeah, I know him. He's in Mexico yeah. City. He's all about Mexico City. He's like, Mexico City's pretty cool. I've been down to his uh, conference down there. But he wanted to know like how you're handling investment and money now that you're, like, your projects are making like three, four million dollars a year or something. And I'm just curious, like more from like a broader like psychological aspect or perspective too. You know, you ask people on Twitter, like, what should we talk about? And a lot of the questions were like, are you happy? You know, like, does money make you happy? Or what do you know about happiness now that you've like had these successful projects, right? And like, I look at you and you're like, okay, I'm carrying my laptop <laughs> around in like a grocery store bag. So I don't know, like what, like what <laughs> is your not how I imagine my life. <laughs> <laughs> what is your relationship to, to money now? Yes, yeah, so I think it's very interesting because I remember in the student days, I was making like 300 or 400 dollars a month and now much more but so I've, we talked a little bit about this on dm too like i think almost this is also a touchy topic right it's like money and capitalism and stuff but you need a base amount of money to be comfortable and i think money like do you know fire f-i-r-e yeah the fire financially community. dependent retire early yeah so they have this concept where if you save like let's say you save a hundred thousand dollar you can take out four thousand dollar a year uh, sorry, you invest this $100,000 in the stock market, like in ETFs and stuff. And then you can perpetually kind of take out 4% per year. So $4,000 a year. So if you have like a million dollars saved after like you know 20 years, you can take out 40000 So 40000 is about some money you can maybe live off. So that means that having a million dollars can give you $40,000 the rest of your life, kind of perpetual. So then you're kind of retired. So I think that's a much more interesting way to see like millions, you know, or, or seeing money that it's not a million dollar doesn't mean you can spend a million dollar. A million dollar means you can spend $40,000 per year. And I think money in a way is a scam because, and this is like <laughs> controversial, but it like the narrative in culture, we talk about this on DM, like the narrative in culture is that, especially as a guy, if you make money, you get successful. You, you know, suddenly you get you get women, all this stuff. You get power. Like it's from I think Scarface mm. and stuff. Like you get the money, you get the power. <laughs> you get the Scarface, all the rap songs. Yeah, so it's it's bullshit. It's, it doesn't work like that. Nobody nobody cares about that. Like really, people, everybody's just looking for another nice person to be a boyfriend or girlfriend with, to be a partner with. And if you meet people that do want you, you for your money, you don't want them because they're gold diggers, right? And I don't even meet those people, so people don't really care. Like, really, people don't care about this stuff. And that's, like, the biggest shock. Not that I did it for that, but, like, it's all a scam. It's a society narrative that, like, you need sports cars and a big house. And it's all, like, I rented this big architect villa because I wanted to do it. So I rented it this year in in Thailand. And I lived there uh, with my ex-girlfriend. And it was, like, really beautiful. Like, Instagram, like, amazing. 
and it was really boring also i was so bored <laughs> and i felt lonely it was like too much space and, and i'm not saying it in a like humble brag cool way i'm just saying that as you know to test that you need to test that lifestyle and really quickly realize that's like i'm much more happy with a grocery store bag in a hotel room you know than this kind of luxury life that you see on tv and movies it's just i don't think it's real i think it's i think it's an artificial it's a stick it's status signaling right it's signaling that you're right. rich to other people but that's not an intrinsic way to get happy i think and i don't need to signal i'm like happy i mean i'm okay i yeah it doesn't add anything but why do you think that is like because it seems like from the outside looking in, there are a lot of rich people who really also love <laughs> like those trappings of being rich. Like they love their huge mansion. They love their like designer clothes. Like they love like their like bougie ass stuff. And like, it seems like that doesn't provide, you know, any happiness to you. Like, are they just status signaling? You know, do they really not like it? Or is it just something unique about you that makes that stuff just unnecessary? It's a good question. I, we don't know. Right. But I, like, I've never had much, motivation or incentive to signal i mean my status signaling would be like look this cool thing i made look this cool website i made and it works now and like it was really difficult and challenging and now i made it and that's like that's like signaling because it's that's like this creativity kind of stuff and you could argue this is like that was like you could argue it's showing revenue signaling already right but i don't really do it for that i do it more for transparency but i, I do think it's it's like we're tribal people right we're like humans are animals and People are tribal, which means they they need to signal the tribe their status, and and maybe then my status signaling is in a different way than the the classic way of like look at all this ownership I have, right? Right. The way you signal depends on the tribe that you're part of, and if you're part of Man, a tribe that's, that's like okay, we're a bunch of makers and we like to build things to be financially independent, then you signal by like <laughs> you know building yeah, yeah. cool stuff. And like, you know, generating revenue from your projects. And if you live like uh, with a bunch of people who are like in some fancy suburb of LA and the way you signal is by having a really big house and a really nice car, then you don't care about uh, building projects online. Like you care about that kind of stuff. And I like the tribe that you're part of personally because it's like, it's more productive. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, that hits in the on the head. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think it's a trend though. Like I never know if something is a trend or it's just like me and my kind of, our tribe kind of doing it. But I do see a trend of like, being more about intrinsic, pure motivations and happiness and, and less about like, you know, capital and, and ownership and material goods right. and, and, you know, cars, sports cars, flashy yeah. clothes and stuff. Like, yeah. like look how we dress usually. We all wear like basic t-shirts that are like $10 and you probably the same. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. And, I'm wearing uh, my robe that I got on Amazon for 25 yeah, exactly. bucks. It's super exactly, comfy. Yeah. It's like wearing a blanket. It's exactly. got a hood. It's nice. It's amazing. Yeah. I got the hoodie too. So yeah, <laughs> we dress like kids pretty much. So yeah, it's having a, a really big house also takes a lot of maintenance and management. And you see these rich people with their crazy lives. It's so much fucking work and they're, they're, they're stressed out of their mind. They burn out from just like existing. And I think the real key for yeah. me, the benefit is like not having to do anything like that, not having to manage a lot of people and just sit in my, on my bed and do Indie Hacker podcast and just chill and, not after all those obligations, right? I read a book recently. It was about like, uh, it's by Anderson Cooper. He was like a journalist, this reporter, but he also like comes from like this Vanderbilt family. His, his dad's last name is Cooper, but his mom's last name is Vanderbilt. And she was like, you know, like the sixth generation of the Vanderbilts. And they were like, at some point, the richest family in America in like the 1800s and the late 1800s. And they got to the point where it was like the third generation of kids. 
And they just had like a ton of money that they had inherited from the previous generations of people who were like sort of building this this empire, like Cornelius Vanderbilt. But the kids, like at that point, like what did they care about? Like they didn't have any business savvy. They didn't have any ambition. They didn't have any like acumen in that area. Like they just cared about being part of high society and like status signaling. And so they just like squandered the greatest fortune in America by doing nothing Always, but building yeah. giant elaborate houses and throwing these <laughs> yeah. crazy balls and just showing off as much as they could to try to like cling on to this status they had of like the richest of the rich people. And uh, it was like you said, like in these houses cost like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year just to maintain. And by the time it was like 30s or 40s, like they were all broke. The kids were all broke. Like it all disappeared and there's nothing left of it. And like that's what I think of when I think of like old money and I think of like new money. It's like, don't do not do that. <laughs> Man, th th there's so many lessons there. Like um, it shows again what we said in the start. Like it, it you, you adapt to this stuff so fast. You adapt to like big houses and cars and like crazy uh, rich extravagant parties and stuff and it all gets uh, you know the hedonism part of it as well you all probably adapt to this but it takes some effort to imagine that because it's it seems so nice right it's like wow these cool parties but you probably get used to that too and then it's the same thing so i think if you take the effort to imagine that and like okay let's not do that <laughs> and instead like live live in a more conscious also to yourself manner of like what do i want to do and what and my life is so simple now like all i do is like i wake up i drink coffee and i i open my laptop a little bit i talk to my friends i code a little bit i go for a walk i go to the gym every two days andre lives here also so i see andre a lot there's another guy javi lives here and we hang out and it's a very simple life right now and uh also because of covid of course but i don't know i'm happy and it's, it's i'm happy with like th there's this quote i read on twitter this week like if you're not if you can't be happy with your coffee you cannot be happy with a billion dollars same thing like be happy with simple things and my dad says the same thing like all he says is like you wake up and he drinks tea and he eats a cookie and he's like this is like life this is the best thing and, like <laughs> this basic basic shit you know like and there's data on this there's studies that show like buying a house after six months you're at the same level of happiness marrying buying a car like after two months or something so hedonic adaptation the hedonic treadmill is a very interesting concept it is and it's especially like relevant when you're like i think organizing your life in a way where you're always chasing these big goals because like we're chasing a goal you're essentially saying okay like there's a thing i don't have right now and i would be happy if i had it and like that's dangerous because it's like the flip side of that is like i'm not happy right now you know i'm not happy unless i get this thing right i got my coffee Man, i'm that's, not happy that's with this coffee. Yes. i need a billion dollars yes yes but this is such a difficult concept to grasp. And that's why people work their ass off until they're 80 or 70 to, you know, or, or whatever to get there. And um, I mean, so this is always, this is a really sensitive thing to say because you always have these rich people to say like, ah, oh, the answer is not unwell, blah, blah, blah. But it's bullshit. Of course it is. Like if you have enough money that you don't need to work, that's a great benefit. Financial independence is, it should be, everybody should get that. Like universal basic income should be for everybody. It's so comfortable and nice to not have a boss. It's amazing. But after that, like it does, like when I passed like one million a year in revenue, that was like exceptional, and now it's two million a year in revenue, and it's like it's just a number. It doesn't mean anything. You pay more tax, and that's it. And you. So then, how do you like navigate that transition? Because like before you get there, like there's definitely I think a difference between having that financial freedom and not having it, right? Like I think there is kind of a happiness change. There is kind of like a burden lifted off your shoulders when you're like, okay, I'm like pretty 100%. independent. You know? yeah. I got that million dollars, yeah. I can live off 40K a year. And like, wow, like that's yes. a whole bunch of stuff I no longer have to do ever yes. if I don't want to. 
how do you adjust to that? Because like, okay, well now you need ideally like maybe you don't, you know, maybe new things that make you happy. Like some of the old goals you had, like you've sort of accomplished. And I think like that can be pretty jarring for a lot of people. You know, a lot of people like get really rich mm. and then they like commit suicide or they like, you know, yeah, become yeah, depressed yeah, yeah. because like the thing they were chasing, like no longer even matters. And like, they don't feel that difference. They just hedonically adapted. Dude, athletes, right? Athletes, when they retire, always like you have a lot in Europe of footballers when they retire, they, they get really depressed. I think in in US with NFL players as well, but um, I think it is jarring because this is because society promised you that this would have solved everything. This would solve your your money situation, your your friend situation, your relationship situation. Your it would money solves everything they say, right? And it's just not true. It's it it's it's just simply not true. It solves some things, and then you need to like you say it's jarring. So you need to go back to like okay, what what really makes me intrinsically happy. And it was probably the thing that made you start working on stuff when you were eight years old, right? Like making something, like uh, creating games or apps or whatever, or paintings or drawings. That You didn't do that for a reason. You just did that because it was fun. And that's how you got here. Yeah. It's pretty like awesome to be in a position where the thing that you did to basically earn your financial freedom is also one of the things that you like doing the most. And I think if you have that, then once you get to that point of financial freedom, you don't have to change anything. Because you're like, ah, what got me here actually I really love. I love the process itself. So like even if the goal is gone, like the process is its own goal. And it's like if I look at my life, I love coding. I love designing. Like I love sitting down and making a new project. And like I've done it a bunch of times for free with no hope of any money just because it was fun to do. Because I have some idea that I have in my head and I want to get out. And I think I've also like probably much more so than you, like allowed myself to be sort of co-opted into like, well, I'm doing this for some goal, right? I'm doing this because I'm trying to like get to financial freedom and et cetera, et cetera. And like at some point, like the goal can kind of co-opt the the process and you become like more obsessed with like the reason you're doing it than like the, like the fact that it's fun to do. And I think with me, like what I have experienced has been kind of like, you know, this was like, I kind of got the goal, okay? Achieve what I wanted to achieve. And now it's like, well, like, do I even like doing the activity anymore? Like, I forgot what that was like because I haven't done it just for its own sake in so many years. And so it's like I kind of have to, like, relearn, like, my love for that, if that makes sense. And I also have to sort of get over this, like, weird mental state that I think Silicon Valley is, like, really toxic for, depending on the tribe you're part of. It's like where, like, no, 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 it's, like, not good enough to just do something for its own sake like you have to be going for some bigger better goal you know why aren't you starting the next bigger company to get to the next level of wealth or fame or success and if, if you have that like in the back of your mind it can be so hard to just appreciate doing simple fun things because you're like well just like enough you know am i using my full potential like you get this nagging unnecessary feeling that i, could, I don't think needs to be there but can take some work to kind of shrug off I, I think at the stage you're in now, if this is the stage you're in, what you just said, I would just start a new project. Like, or that's what I would do, right? I would just be like, yeah, yeah I don't really feel all this stuff. <laughs> Next thing. Let everything just, yeah. let the old thing run and be automated. Like it's all automated. So I'll just go work on new stuff and try new stuff. And then yeah. I'll dive in something new because I'm um, bored with the old. And first of all, I love indie hackers, but I would, I almost think like you have so much creative energy to create things that it'd be lovely to see that energy be funneled into a, a new project like something different you know i like the way that you've done it with nomadless it's so smart because it's like you can like you're doing these things that are new projects but like you said it's also kind of like a marketing trick because these are like so part of what nomadlist is that like 
they could be part of no, they could just be like nomad list slash rebase nomad list slash jobs right and with me with any hackers like I don't, I don't have that separate strategy where i do these different things and so it can kind of feel like the slog where I'm, like, I'm working the same thing same thing same thing but if i could maybe take a page out of your playbook and just <laughs> do different things because like most of the things i'm interested in doing are very related but they could have a different name live on a different website and just feel fresher yeah and you can always put them back later right yeah what about like the practical parts of money and investing like i know a lot of people who make you know more money end up switching from this mode of like you know, okay, earlier I was trying to earn my freedom, but now that I'm here, I'm trying to protect what I have, or I'm trying to, like, invest it wisely. That's a whole different skill set, you know? Like, building a startup is very different than, like, investing in crypto or the stock market or, you know, ETFs, like, whatever. So how do you, like, how has that changed for you? Like, what are you, what are you doing with your money, basically? Yeah. So I've been tweeting a lot about ETFs. Like, I know every, the, the, the thing today is to tweet about crypto, right? Invest in crypto. Yeah. And, I mean, of course. But... I think crypto might be the future and I invest in crypto too, but investing in the stock market is also the future uh, still, I think. And a good way to invest in the stock market, and I learned this from Matt Cutts from Google. He had a blog about how he invests his money and he wrote about, he puts almost all of his money in Vanguard ETFs and ETFs are funds that you can buy. They're just like stocks, but instead of a stock, one stock, like you buy like uh, Microsoft, you buy a thousand stocks at the same time through an ETF. So it's like a basket of stocks. And it means that if Microsoft goes up, you profit. But if Microsoft goes down and Apple goes up, you still profit because they balance themselves each, each other out. So you get a more so balanced return. Diversifying. Yeah. It's just diversifying. And it's 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 very cheap. It's like the fees are 0.01% with Vanguard or something. It took me like a year to understand all the stuff because it's, it's kind of complicated. It's not very accessible. But I think more people should learn about it because... With most brokers, you can just open an account like interactive brokers or, uh, I don't know, the trade apps and you can buy an ETF. And I know it makes more sense from your, you know, your gambling casino heart as we all have. Like you want to gamble your money. Like I think Apple's going to go up. But statistically, over the long term, it makes more sense to diversify your money and just put it in a basket of stocks. And that's what ETFs are. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And it's something that I hear associated with like, like it's it's like at the beginning of your career, right? Like you don't have any money. You're trying to do something. You're the opposite of diversified. You're like I'm going all in on my startup. <laughs> all my money is going to me doing this thing, right? And then when you start to make your money, it's like okay, well, like I don't want to lose this. I don't want to be like a super risky. I mean, I guess there's some people who are like I'm putting it all on, you know, crypto. <laughs> but like it's probably not the wisest thing. <laughs> and if you want to like sort of maintain what you're doing and like maintain your lifestyle and keep the freedom that you have, and you're not sort of obsessed with just like getting more and more and more and more, I think it's not uncommon at all to do what you're doing and sort of like diversify, try to keep it stable, and then focus on what you love rather than just like obsessively trying to make as much money as possible. 100%. I think it's common with like like tech people that are very well read and stuff, but I think it's very non-common with people who aren't and they usually invest in individual stocks. And that's statistically just a very bad idea it just underperforms over over the long run so i think that's that's a good thing to talk about like to tell people like you know kind of avoid individual stocks and uh but yeah this is not financial advice podcast but you know you asked me but i do also invest in crypto like i've been buying bitcoin since 2013 when it was like 32 dollars bitcoin and i had i used to have 162 bitcoin so i had like i think it would be like 11 million dollars <laughs> now <laughs> 
and I, I lost it all. I day traded it away. So that was also a lesson. Like, don't day trade. Just hold, yeah. huddle, you know? And, and yeah. yeah. I've had similar so, yeah, things I, 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 Like, I owned really? Bitcoin and Ethereum back when they were sub a couple hundred bucks. And I also spent a lot of time trading in uh, the 2008 market, like, after the crash or whatever. With very little money because I was in college. So I, like, had a consulting job. But, like, in hindsight, if I had just not day traded it and I just, like, kept the stocks that I bought and just not touched it for the last 12 years. It's like all of that's like 10 X. So it's like, okay, well, lesson learned, you know, it's yeah. Lesson learned, but that's a lesson you need to, you need to become 30 to learn that. But if you're 20, you can skip this whole lesson. You can like just buy now, buy these diversified stock funds and hold crypto, but hold it for a long term, you know? Well, when you're 20, 10 years seems like an eternity. (laughs) Like if you're, if you told 20 year old Cortland, like, Oh, just hold for 10 years. I'd be like, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. even be alive in yeah. 10 years. The world might be over <laughs> yeah, in 10 yeah. years. Like 10 years. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> now, like 34, I'm like, okay, yeah, 10 years seems reasonable. It's not that long. I'll be patient. I think when I was 20, I was reading Mr. Money Mustache randomly, this blog. And he was also about the fire movement and about compounding interest. And I learned all this concept. And he, he said something like, even if you don't make a lot of money, just start saving now. Like pay off all your debt and start saving every month, like like $100. So I started logging like this the groceries i bought and i started buying hundred dollar less groceries a month to save this hundred dollars and after a year i had like twelve hundred dollars saved and i was really happy and then i put it in a i think a cd like a deposit for like five years and uh got nice interest so it was like because he was like you know the compounding interest when you start early it really adds up even if you don't make a lot of money so i was like okay cool i mean these are Good lessons. Also, what you said about like people losing their money—it's really common with rich people to, that they lose their money. Really, really common. And there's like th- this friend Gabor uh, who made an ETF website, uh, like a blog explaining ETFs. He shows that if some some rich people lost all their money, if they would have just put it in an ETF of the S&P 500 for you know 20 years, this is the amount of money they would have made, and this is like a lot of money, like hundreds of millions. But instead, they're they're right. bankrupt by investing in shady deals, you know? Can you imagine if you lost all the money that you, you made from working on your projects? It's, I mean, the it's, last thing, like, it's horrible. Like, nuts. yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I cannot imagine having that kind of personality where you just, you start investing in, in just random stuff and, and you lose everything. I mean, Elon Musk did it again, Elon Musk, but he invested all his it, yeah. funds from selling zip two, I think, or, or PayPal into SpaceX. Right. Just huge gamble. And, and, like this might ruin, this might ruin me. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, if, if it would have ruined him, we wouldn't hear about him now. So, but I, I don't think you should take these outlier results as examples <laughs> to do things in life, you know? I think right. you should look at statistics and studies to see what you should do. And to me, that sounds like ETFs and Bitcoin, Ethereum, and mostly ETFs. Yeah. What about, um, like, you were talking about your investing habits. There's people on Twitter who also wanted to, like, you're just like your productivity habits. Because, like, you ship a crazy amount of stuff. And like we were saying earlier, like, you haven't missed a day in over a thousand days. And I think, you know, that's not common. It's very difficult, I think, for people to get onto the treadmill of working, you know, consistently at all. And then it's very easy to fall off that treadmill and, like, you know, I have trouble getting back on. So, like, what are you doing to help you sort of be so prolific and productive? Yeah, so I, I use a site called WIP. It's it's kind of a competitor to Indiacus a little bit, WIP.co. And it's kind of like a tracking system for your to-dos for indie makers kind of, made by my friend Mark. I think you should buy the websites. 
I think you should acquire, Indiac should acquire Whip. I've always told you, but I think they would work really well together. But you can just log your uh, to-dos on Telegram, this chat app, and also on the website. And it's a very easy way for me to, I also log like my live stuff, like uh, sometimes even food logs and stuff. Yeah, so I just do like slash done, fix bug, join button on nomad list doesn't work, hashtag nomad list. And then that show, add a screenshot, sometimes a video, and that's it. And that gives me like a really accountable public log of what I'm doing. And yeah, it's really nice. Like I think Jerry Seinfeld talked about like this this chart where you cross a, on the calendar, you do like a cross and you, you don't want to break the chain when you like want to learn something or something and i think that's the same thing you want to do the streak you want to, you don't want to break the chain and yeah and but even without that like i just it kind of just like happens where i wake up and i check i check like the errors i receive my my robots send me like errors on telegram like what happens when i sleep for example and i kind of check like okay this is a problem we need to fix and so my robots kind of control me and manage me and give me instructions what to work on the next day and so I kind of need to because people are like, like I don't right. have much staff. I don't really, I have some contractors, but they don't really develop. So it's kind of on me to keep, you know, the customers happy. And, and it's really fun to do mm. that, I think. Yeah, you're number two on the leaderboard. You've got like 1,040 days shipped in a row. Someone named Nils yeah. is right above you. They have 1,114 <laughs> yeah, days. Nils is on the, on the island next to me. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, he's also in Thailand. So There's a... Uh, it's like this, this whole project is super interesting to me because it's like like whip is kind of like social in some ways because like you can see everyone else who's shipping and like and i guess in a way that makes you accountable like especially if you get to like really high on the leaderboard like you know that people know that you're high on the leaderboard you probably don't want to lose that status but then also there's this idea of like building in public and it's like there's almost like no better place to do that than like twitter because like you get the most feedback you get like, cause I post on web too. And it's like, it's really good for me solitarily as like motivation. Like I don't want to break the chain, but then if I want people to respond to me, I post on Twitter and on indie hackers, we kind of tried to do this too with like these product directory pages where you can sort of have a timeline of your progress. But it's like, I feel like no one's really cracked the code of like, what's like, what's the best way to sort of help people with their goal of building in public and ideally help them like build an audience as a result for that. And then, you know, simultaneously solve this problem where like you're motivating them and making them accountable and helping them like be productive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Twitter's the easiest, right? Because it has this whole audience already. It has like millions of users, so everybody can see right. your tweets. But you probably don't post like little updates, like fix the color of this button on Twitter. <laughs> no, it's too small, right? It's too, it's too basic. But you, you wanna, you wanna show like a big, big feature or a really big problem you solved. You wanna tell the story, kinda. So that's more for Twitter. So this is more for small things. But yeah, the building in public thing. Um, like for a while, I thought life coding was going to be a big thing. Like the building public life coding, right? It was like the 24-hour startup, I think we had with Pet Walls and Stream Armin made that. Twitch. Yeah, exactly. It was like, kind of looked like it was going to be a thing. And it, I've, I've tried it. It's so stressful. I, I can't do it. And I think that's the problem <laughs> kind of with it. Like <laughs> you need to sit there for hours, like people watching you. And, and, and it's really fun, but it's too too intense for me. And yeah, so I don't know. Even the gamers who do that are like constantly stressed out about like Dude, having to always be performing because it's like not enough for them to just like play the game and be good at it. They have to entertain this audience on Twitch. Dude, He's gonna like criticize and scrutinize their every move. It's, it's like, do you really want to be on camera for hours while so you're working and, and having a bunch of like? I I don't know. And and I kept leaking API keys. Like every stream, I leaked API keys. Yeah, it was insane. And yeah. and then I would get stuck on a on like a problem, which everybody every day. I get stuck on a problem where I just need to walk around and think about it or lie down. 
but you can't lie down because there's 90 people watching. So you're trying to fix this problem and it's, you get sweating and it's stressful. You see the viewers dropping because it's not interesting anymore because they only yeah. like when you're making new stuff. I right. mean, respect if you can do it, but I can't do it anymore. Like, it's just, it's just too intense. I've never tried it and I never plan to. <laughs> Yeah, I also have like uh like my my sort of productivity tricks are I've kind of copied like your note, your sort of uh post it. Yes, yes, yes. I love post-its. Most of my post-its have always been like okay, like little reminders to myself. So like if I show you my monitor, I've got like these reminders and like my romantic relationships, like here's how I can be better, I can be more vulnerable, blah blah well, blah, nice, blah blah blah. Nice. And like my like, you know, like other parts of my life, like exercise, I have a little, like I have a post-it note where I look at it and like I have to do 20 push-ups. <laughs> and like, Dude, that's I often, amazing. like avoid, I consciously avoid looking at it most of the day, but then I sometimes do. And it's just like, whatever. I just end up doing push-ups every day because of this note. But I it's never like thought of doing it. you see, you lose this thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You see it, you lose. But you do post-its, I think, for like tasks and like productivity. Yeah. What you have to do that day. Yeah. And I just started doing that a couple yeah. weeks ago and I love it. It's so easy. Yeah, it's so simple. I, I use Windows for it. Like, not Windows operator. I use the window of, like, hotel rooms or apartments, whatever. I put it on the window, and I make, like, a grid of things. And then on the other side, I do the stuff that I that I finish. So I take it, I put it on my laptop, and I focus on that task in particular. And then when it's done, I take it, and I put it on the finished part of the window. And so it's kind of like a combo of using Post-it notes and also using the, the whip chat. But Post-it notes, I mean, it's really nice. Like, you can really... Like I'll take like a uh, an hour or something to figure out like everything that I need to do, every f- like bug that's remaining, or and I collect everything from online and I write it down. And I, I saw this study I think that said like writing things down on paper, you use a different part of your brain than if you write it down digitally. So there's something about writing on paper that's different, and I think I think that's true for me the physical act of taking the post-it and like, okay, this is what we're going to do now. Fix the join button on Nomad list. And I put it on my screen and I work on that. It's really nice feeling because I don't want to fix the join button on Nomad list. I want to finish this to do. That's all, it's like a hack. I want right. to take this post-it note, put it on the window. And move next it, to me. yeah. Yes, that's what it's really about. It's not about the bug, you know? <laughs> I hate the bug. I don't care about the bug. Right. <laughs> so do you ever almost like forget to do a to-do like any day, like you've got, like, you have, has there ever been a day where you almost like lost your thousand day streak because you forgot to do something and like had to do something like late at night or is it just automatic and so it, obvious and easy to you? Almost. Know? Yeah. No, almost. I just, I do it when I wake up. I, I, I do a small thing immediately. Yeah. So it's a habit and you don't want to lose the streak, you know? So <laughs> do you see that book? It's like the most popular book on Amazon in every category and every in human uh, history. Sort of vertical. <laughs> It's like the most, it's like he, James were like the best. And like, I had him on this show and I had him on uh, a different podcast oh, really? I have called Brains. And I talked about his book and it's like, he just tweeted like, yeah, it's the best selling book on Amazon, period. Dude. He's crushing it. And like it's every, every tech guy, well, every tech bro or something, or you want to call it, is like, yeah, yeah man, you shouldn't make goals. You should create systems. <laughs> <It's> like, <okay. laughs> I know, I know which book you read. <laughs> yep. And my mom was telling me the same thing. I'm like, ah, mom, feel a little stressed no out. Way. She's like, create, create systems instead of goals. I'm like, damn it, <laughs> this book is too popular. Ah. <laughs> it's crazy. I want to ask you about one more topic yeah. before we get out of here. I'm curious about like your thoughts on just like the future, you know, because like you're like always on the web. You're sort of like, you know, tweeting about Web3 and crypto and like trying live coding and stuff like that. And I like tend to get like my head like buried into like work, you know, and then I come up for air every year. I'm like, what's going on? What do you think 
about these like new trends? You know, what do you think about Web3? What do you think about crypto? I've been trying to like get into it a little bit more and research it. And I think it's quite cool and there's some upsides and downsides, but I don't I don't know what you think. So what are your thoughts on all this? Yeah, it's a uh, man, it's like it's taking the world by storm. So last week I was retweeted by Jack from Twitter and my notifications went crazy because I reposted I this meme about Web3, which was just a picture I found somewhere and I posted it. I was like, it's kind of funny. And it showed like Web3, this funnel of water coming out and then going into the mouth of like VCs, like venture capital investors, like a lot of water and then some drips were left for the retail investors. And I mean, the kind of sounded like it's matched with what I saw on the, because I follow a lot of Web3 projects and I, I follow which projects are new. There's a Telegram channel, you can follow everything. And I what I was observing was that every, almost every project I saw was like, there was a big, I'm not gonna name, but a big VC firm in there. And I was like, interesting, they're in every Web3 project. And then I saw Jack tweeting about this. I was like, oh, this meme kind of makes sense. So I tweeted and it was like insane. It went like crazy. And then Jack retweeted and I got so much uh, hate. And, and also like, I think 600 retweets or something, a thousand retweets. So it's a sensitive topic to talk about because they're so, like I'm a crypto investor, I'm invested in it, but I, I also can criticize it kind of or, or mock it like as a joke, like, come on, it's everything should be mockable, but apparently you cannot do it with Web3. And I got <laughs> blocked by, blocked. <laughs> I got blocked by Mark Andreessen and, and Chris Dixon, oh, yeah. but I didn't even mention them. I just posted a meme about Web3, so I don't know. It's just all kind of funny, but so they blocked you because you posted the, the meme and Jack retweeted it and they saw it yeah. because he retweeted it probably. And they're like, and then they blocked Jack and they blocked me. It's just a cartoon. It's so ridiculous. But I mean, and Mark Andreessen followed me before that. He was a follower. So mm-hmm. damn, yeah, sad. But anyway, it's it's all kind of interesting. I do think it's a, it's a future in many ways, like the smart contract stuff. I think it's like... A computer, a really slow computer that's decentralized and stuff. Everybody knows how it works by now. I think what I really don't like about it is that a really big percentage of the projects are pump and dump, how mm-hmm. they feel, like they're pre-mined, then given off to VC investors to buy into. And then they end up, like, I know people in this in this crypto world and they, they go to the big crypto exchanges, they pay money, like I think it's 150K to get listed. And then this coin, mm. once it gets listed, everybody who knows it's going to get listed already bought in, which is insider trading, right. but it's legal because it's crypto. Yeah. And then it pumps, it 10Xs. And if you invest 100 million, you just made a billion dollars. So, I mean, this is legal, but is it, maybe we would be doing the same thing if we had all that money. But all I'm saying is that I don't, I, man, it's so difficult to criticize because I don't really, I'm not very well debated with all this stuff. I don't have all the data, but I think the, Technology is very promising. I don't like all the pumping and the we're all going to get rich because I don't think that's not possible. That's not how it works. And you need to get in now, this FOMO stuff. It has all of the red flags of every internet bubble and, and tulip bubble and right. all this stuff. And I don't I don't yeah. think that's interesting stuff. Like you, I, I bought an NFT too. I bought the Pool Suite NFT by Poolsite. Pool Suite they're called now. It's like a member's card and, uh, and it went up a lot. And, and then... People are like, look, you get it. This is how it works. I'm like, no, I don't get it. Why? What are we doing here? Like, it, there's no intrinsic. Like, I like Pulsite and Pulsuite. I like the concept. But a lot of these NFTs, there's no intrinsic value in there. Or it's very, you know what I mean? It's, it, my yeah, gut yeah. tells me something's really off. I think there's like a, a lot of like 
this excitement, like, okay, this is a revolution for artists. You know, I know a handful of artists who made a lot of money, and so therefore, like, every artist is going to be able to make money. You know, it's a revolution for music, you know, like, now every musician's going to be able to make a lot of money, and it's, like, what feels off to me is, like, well, like, there's still going to be, like, the power law dynamics where, like, the most popular people are going to get the most listens and watches and whatever, and there's still going to be people who are probably pretty good who aren't that good at marketing, who, like, no one sees their stuff. And so I don't see how crypto <laughs> is really going to, like, suddenly make everybody rich. It seems, like, really scammy and doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But like, there's, like, really smart, reputable people saying this. To, sorry to interrupt, but the argument for that, I think, that they have is that you become part of, you become owner of the project, right? So even if you're not the person that's successful, you're in early and you're, you're part owner, just like a stock. And I think that's actually promising because it would be interesting if I could just list NomadList as a public company with tokens. But the SEC doesn't allow that because that is a financial security. So I do think yep. if the SEC changes their law that, you know, I can just list or mint like NomadList tokens and people become an owner mm -hmm. and I can go public with a small company. Yeah. That'd be great because yeah. an IPO now, you need 100 million revenue. I don't have 100 million revenue. So that's the thing that I'm the most excited about, which is, I guess, in a way, like these tokens are allowing like the average person to quote unquote, like invest in different projects and stuff. And like you get a lot of bad things with that and you get a lot of good things with that. Like the sort of meme that you posted that's showing, okay, like, you know, the VCs are like taking most of the returns from these crypto projects and the retail investors are getting drips. Like, I think that that is probably true. Like the VC there is like A16Z is probably the most notable one. But like also, if you look at the status quo of startups, like there isn't even little a little drip for the retail investors. Like if you're the average, yes, Joshua, that's like true. there's no way for you to invest in Uber or Airbnb. Like you only the VCs got in. And so it's like, is it still kind of a VC run game? Yeah. But is it better or worse than what we had before? I think it's better. You know, like you can get into all these things as a normal person. And often the VCs are just buying tokens that any other person could buy. You know, maybe they get a few advantages or something sometimes, and maybe they get like a tip and some insider trading, but like you could you could buy it too. And the average person can't become an angel investor in Silicon Valley and say know the right people and have enough network to be an accredited investor. It's just like it just never was accessible. And so I, I kind of think it's a move in the right direction. But with that, you get like scams and you get, you know, pump and dump and people who are like, oh, there's average people investing now. Like I can fool them much easier than I can fool the VCs. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. The bad I mean, it's, it's exactly. And, and like I went here, um, football golfing, there's this football golf place here. And this, I talked to the owner and he said he invests a lot in crypto projects and stuff. And I was like, that's really cool. Cause it's like kind of older guy. And, uh, he puts a lot of his money from his business into crypto projects. And I'm like, that's cool. But I really hope that it works out for you because you know, mm -hmm. you got to pick the right ones to, it's kind of right. scary and it's all positive. Like we're all going to go to the moon and it's all like going, going up and stuff. Mm. Like, but that's, I mean, that's not always how it goes. Like a lot of people can lose money. And I know there's a libertarian streak in the world, especially in the U S of like, well, it's your own responsibility, you know? And it's like, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's really sad to see people lose uh, a lot of their money and you know what I mean? And, and, Maybe it's because I'm Dutch, but in Holland we grew up where you you don't want to see your neighbor go bankrupt. You want you want everybody to be kind of like yeah, exactly. happy and and financially happy. And man, th if you go look in history of the stock market in I think 1900 or 1890 or 1910, where there wasn't a lot of regulation, a lot of regulation was created to, I mean, also to like, to protect investors and also in a bad way because now you need to be accredited and you need to be rich to invest in like you know startups and stuff. So that's not good. But a lot of stuff is to protect people and 
this is political territory again but and i don't know if you need to protect people but i i do know that that it's it's a lot of people can lose their life savings and how do you right you know, right is that what, what do you do with that like sorry you made the wrong mistake we're all trying to figure this out like the world's changing so fast like a year or two ago a fraction of the people were talking about this stuff that are talking about it now and like no one knows where the future is going to be but like there are these ideas like you were saying like universal basic income you know like or like the broader idea that appeals to me is like creating a floor below which people can't fall like you don't want to see your neighbors go bankrupt like you don't want people to be like struggling to eat you know and like ideally as a society like we can keep raising that floor higher and higher and higher like i don't know if universal basic will be like the thing but like there are things that like once we create like people don't fall like once we invent technology like that technology exists and it spreads and we don't tend to revert you know and like like new technologies make the world a better place and so if we can create like a really safe floor where it's safe for people to experiment then I'm like 100% cool with people like placing crazy bets trying to yes. go as high as they can. Yes. And if they yes. lose it or whatever, Same. like at least they can't fall that far, you know. And so I hope like that's the direction society is moving in. But like we're kind of getting – it's not like a perfectly straight line to get there. It's kind of jagged. We're like, okay, well, now anyone can invest in crypto. But the floor is not quite there yet, so you might lose your shirt. So do you think you'll do any crypto stuff with like Nomad List or your projects? Because like if you had a token for a Nomad List, a token for Moto K, a token for Rebase, like I would 100% – buy some of your tokens <laughs> partly because i just I, I, you're not going to ipo with any of this stuff most likely it's yeah like, i would buy cool. indie hackers too absolutely yeah 100 percent. right yeah. yeah i've thought of, yeah. i've thought so, about it a lot i mean it'd be so cool to be able to buy tokens in the projects you believe in that you know aren't like vaporware bait and switch type pump and dump schemes so i think the regulation has to change with the sec allowing for tokens to have actual ownership of companies and projects because right now they mm-hmm. don't allow it and the only thing you get is voting rights usually and voting rights right. is not real ownership. And I know that's they do that because otherwise it becomes a financial security and they go to right. jail. But the SEC needs to change that. And then following that, the European Union, whatever financial authority they have, they do need to do the same thing and the same thing in Asia mm-hmm. and whatever. Because then you can have really nice, like actual ownership tokens and right. with voting power also. And, and then I can give dividends. Like I'd love to give dividends as a company to the mm. owners of the company. Why not? And that would be super cool. And mm. I think we're going to get there within five years. I think it's going to happen. And that would validate the whole Web3 scene almost overnight, I think, because it would not right. be bullshit. It would be real ownership. And yeah. until then, if that doesn't happen, we don't know what all these tokens mean. They don't mean anything right now. Not ownership, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've done like some token investing where like, it's, it's an interesting question because like if I look at like the things that I bought, I don't know if I cared about ownership. It would be nice to have ownership. Like if I buy stock, like technically like that gives me some rights and stuff. But like a lot of the other things exist. Like you can give dividends to people who own your token. So I got like an airdrop because I owned the ENS token and they paid everyone who owned any of like their domain names, like literally like fifteen twenty thousand dollars which is nuts. And there's a lot of projects that are going to do that. And you can like, you get voting rights. So you can sort of like, delegate your voting rights to others and so i guess my question for you is like how important is the ownership like if people can like essentially profit when your company you know increases in value if they can sell the tokens if they can get voting rights if they can get distribution uh, and dividends like why do they need the ownership rights man yeah that's a good question um so you got i was a week too late with ens registering for, to not get the airdrop by the way so i didn't get oh anything, yeah but who cares but uh, the, the <laughs> thing with like if you if you say like get dividends from an airdrop i assume that that means mm-hmm. you get tokens from the same project which yep. people are trading on so they have value from trading on them 
which is different than giving dividends from the money I make from customers that I then give right. to you as an owner. Um, that's true. They could do that, but they, that's not. you're right. That's not what they did. You want to have some kind of intrinsic value in the core where it comes down to it. So you have a lot of tech companies like Amazon. They don't even give dividends, I think. They don't even make profit. They just reinvest, right? Because there's a hope in the future they might issue dividends when they are like big enough or something. That's priced into the price. That's part of the the deal, kind of. You still mm-hmm. own the company, but they're not. So it's it, it it's the same as not owning it, but having a token. But at least there's some kind of like as a stockholder, you can also vote. You can say like, okay, we want right. now Amazon to start giving dividends. How do you do that with a project that doesn't really give dividends? Like you can issue more tokens, but issuing tokens about what what's the value there the only value is some kind of concept <laughs> just trading it right some kind of yeah yeah this is this is going to be big like we you cannot right. live forever on this is going to be big you need to have some <laughs> you know what i mean it's like there needs yeah, to be yeah yeah true eventually I, I, the growth I, I, stops the, and yeah and otherwise if it's not it's an mlm and we know a lot of mlm sch- sch- schemes in america like mway all that stuff right. allegedly i should say legally because i don't want to be sued but and you don't want it to be that so i think they would really it would really legitimize this whole thing if it became real ownership for me and maybe it's because i studied business also we had finance so i know a little bit about all this options and stocks work and stuff and yeah there was this new law in america that let you crowdfund stock kind of i think there was like the safe yeah yeah they raised the uh they raised the limit on like how much you can crowdfund basically to enrich exactly. investors. And so, yeah, I think Sahil did it with Gumroad and got like a ton of people. Yeah. So it's already going, getting closer. So I think we're, we're almost there. And uh, it's unfair that if you don't make, you know, hundred million dollars a year, $50 million a year, you cannot IPO. It's like, why can't I IPO? I don't want to sell my company to some person. It would be much mm-hmm. more fun to sell it to the people who use it. And then they can, you know, vote and they can tell me to hire people and they and there can be like a board of directors and stuff that would be super mm-hmm. cool there's another thing you can do with these tokens that you can't really do with stock which is like you can use them as kind of currency and so like let's say you had like a nomad a nomad coin or something you could do like a job listings like people buy them in terms like with the coin or like if you own the coin like you can get access to the community forum or something like there's like little like sort of things you can do that give the coin intrinsic value beyond just like speculating on it it's it's interesting it's like a very wild west type thing but i'm not very optimistic that like we're gonna see the sec like no one knows but i'm not very optimistic <laughs> they're just gonna be like okay you guys you know here's our official stamp of approval go for it you know it will legitimize things i mean I feel, like, I feel like they have no idea what to do they've been pretty mild on crypto they've been pretty embracing right though like uh, the last few years so and and they're leading like if they do something, the rest of the world follows. It's, it's, the, it's the U.S., you know? So I think they really have the power to change things. Yeah, you know this better. I'm not American, but it'd be very interesting if they do that. The social tokens thing, I think it's interesting because I run a community. I run, like, the, the biggest remote worker community kind of on, on Slack and on the internet. And if the token of a membership, the price is dominated, is, sorry, is dictated by the market... Like these, this friends with benefit, I think, of FWB social token I saw. So the token becomes like a thousand dollars. So now it's become an exclusive community where, which is kind of good in a way, but also kind of like not my thing. Cause like with Nomad List, it's usually like 80 or 90 or a hundred dollars lifetime fee. Mm-hmm. And people, it means that every month there's 500 new nomads that come in. 
And they, right. they, it's kind of like a nice churn vibe where it's like a cafe. New people come in. There's some old people still. New people. Mm-hmm. And it's it get, it gives the community like this this fuel of like like refreshment. And c- communities that, that don't do that, they kind of die out. I feel like they get stale and or they become too exclusive and 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 I can see it like if I if I raise the price too too high I would get like 100 100 signups a month and the community would start dying people are like why is the chat so empty so I price should be dictated by the market for a community kind of so I agree I thought about doing this for indie hackers and I, I don't think I will just because it's like because indie hackers is part of Stripe it's like I would immediately have to go to like Stripe's legal team and it'll be like a whole <laughs> just a whole maybe much bigger than just me as like an individual but I was thinking about the same problem too, because it's like I don't like the idea of creating a really small, exclusive community that's really like hard to get into and whatever. So it's like, okay, well, if it costs like a certain amount of tokens to get access to the community, like you could like potentially lower that over time as the token price increases, so that like, okay, joining is always the same price, you know. But like, you know, that if you've invested in the token earlier, you still make money. Like that token can still appreciate, but like, you know, it's valuable for other reasons rather than just access. But I don't know. I think there's a lot of experimentation. I hope you do something because I want to like the thing I like the most yeah. about Web3 and these tokens is like I want to see like all these different creators who are building their stuff. Like I want to be able to invest in them. And right now it's impossible for me to invest in them because they're not hundred million dollar companies. And uh, I hope Web3 goes in that direction. Dude, I think that's the that's the like what do you call it? Killer app. One of the killer apps. And and I, I I do still I really believe in Bitcoin like I I have a lot of Bitcoin and I I do think it's I think I'm starting to pay my contracts with Bitcoin soon because the the trouble so I I work with a contractor who does customer support and she's uh, Filipino and she mm-hmm. when I when I hired her kind of as a contractor she was li- living in Vietnam and then she moved to Morocco now and then when I tried to pay her I was in Holland I think. Or no, I was in Portugal. So I was I was a Dutch person in Portugal paying a Filipino worker in Vietnam uh, with a <laughs> Singapore company. These were five entities. And I tried to do all these. I tried to transferize and, and pay a year and stuff. And they were like, I had to talk to customer support because they're like, why is your your house in Portugal, but you are Dutch and your company is in Singapore and your contractor is Filipina in Vietnam? This all doesn't add up. <laughs> it all red flags. And then we could do yeah. this with Bitcoin with the Lightning Network within half a second with almost no fees right. now. Bitcoin has become cheap and fast. So th- this completely solves it. And we need to remember we are like, you know, Europe and America, but most of the world is not Europe and America. And their finance, their money system doesn't work like ours. And it's not easy at all. And it's very difficult to pay people in the rest of the world, like Asia, Africa, Latin America. I think Bitcoin might help with that a lot. For sure. Yeah. Well, listen, dude, thanks so much for coming on. Do you want to let listeners know where to go to, like, I guess, follow you if they don't already follow you and see what you're up to? Yeah, so I'm on Twitter mostly. It's Levels.io, which is L-E-V-E-L-S-I-O. And from there, you can see all my websites in my bio and uh, see my crazy, stupid tweets every day. Where see I your progress bar stuff. of how close <laughs> yeah, you are, $5 million a year. Yes. Cool. Thank you, man. Thanks so much for having me.